please bring up your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10 to 18. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10 to 18. You can stand for the reading of God's word if you can. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10 to 18. The subject for our consideration tonight is honoring God above all. Honoring God above all, and in this context is honoring God above our children as we consider a father's role within the covenant community. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. And the Lord, and the Lord came and stood, calling as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we tremble at your word. Under your word, before your word, we tremble. May we not fall short of it. May we not fall short that if we hear your voice today, cause a trembling that you are waking godly sorrow in our hearts that may order our lives according to the pattern of the narrow way. Do so to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please return to your seat. As we bring the day to an end, reflecting on the responsibility that God laid upon Christian fathers, the exhortation is to fathers and will be fathers. Ultimately, except for those who are eunuch among us, we will take a bride. And when we take a bride, we will have children by the grace of God or we will have, we'll have children by natural generation or
can be through adoption or through means or fostering children. We will have children. We all are engaged in the business of parenting one way or the other. It is to us that the Lord is speaking tonight. One thing, according to John Calvin, that we will repeat here and here again is that the fact that our hearts are factories of idols, that we can easily make idols of anything, be it car, house, gadgets, be it wife, children, or all the gettings that God has blessed us with. We can become slave and subservient to all those things and dishonoring God. And when we come to Christian parenting or being a father in the household of God, in, in the house that God had given you, there is no shortcut. It is a painful and difficult task. But we believe that through God's mercy and grace, things can be made easy, although in a fallen world. And each father here will forever depend on the supplies of the Holy Spirit to raise children. Children are sinners too, needing the grace of God. And you too, sinners raising sinners, is a complex duty. It is that we all cast our cares and burdens upon the Lord to raise children. It is easier preached than done. I can tell how many preachers have fallen on these hard rocks of the reality that comes with parenting? How many preachers preach to many people and their own children never made it to Zion? It is a desire of the Lord that we all learn from here, from the feet of Christ, that we become fathers indeed, both at home and in church. It is, it is when we come together like this, it is a combination of homes at our that are filled with the understanding of God's word and his doings coming together to worship God corporately. And if we do our job well from home, coming to church to listen to the word of God becomes much easier. In fact, the training for listening begins at home. And we prepare our children ahead of time to worship God. We let them know that we are going to the house of God and we are meeting other things. All things begins from home. It rises and falls on the home. And if you mistake discipline and we, 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 we allow conflict to exist between love and discipline, there will be an issue. There shouldn't be a conflict between love and discipline. They cohere. They go together. If there is love, 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 and no discipline, you, you're not a good father. And if it is discipline, 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 void of love, you're also a bad father. You don't bring out any good product. It is love and discipline working together under the auspices of God and his word. The scripture before us tonight it's a story of a man who served God well at Shiloh. His name is Eli. He had two sons. He had two sons. And, uh, and these two sons were serious guys. They, are, they were not... <laughs> I mean, they are not regular children. 
And it happens that Samuel was there at this point. Hophni and his brother were helping their, fa his, their father in the service of God in the temple. And they were stealing. They were not stealing, they were robbing the people. For they were blaspheming God. They would take by violence the offering that belonged to God exclusively and they would eat it and share with their father. And God said, according to God who was speaking to Samuel, he said, I have warned him about this. I have asked him to restrain his children, but he will not. And he said, I'm going to punish his house perpetually for this. And and God did punish his house. <laughs> he punished his house. In fact, the last set of the priests, the last set of priests from his family line died to be under David. Thereabouts. They were part of those priests at Nob and they perished. What was happening here is that Eli was aware of the sins of his children. And what he did can be found somewhere, maybe uh, in chapter 2. And the report came to Eli and said, this is what your children are doing. They were committing immorality, not just taking the bread or the meat of the Lord. They were sleeping with women by the, at the door of the temple. And he called them and said, my children... It's in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. Says, if a man have issue with his fellow man, God is the judge. But if a man is fighting God, who will be the judge? And he let the case lie. And they continue in their service. And offense God. Let me show you what the man ought to love. Though there are two scriptures in the Old Testament that Eli was aware of. Turn to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. 17. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. More clearly, when it comes to this issue that we are dealing with. 21 verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, he will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city, of his city, at the gate of the place where he lives. 
and they shall say to the elders of the city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall push the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. So the issue of children being disobedient to their parents, we should not couch it under, well, we are in a fallen world, children are sinners too. We should not couch it under such theology. It's a serious matter. And we should let our children know that they have no luxury to disobey dad. Dad, father, is an authority that must be obeyed. Trust me. Of course, I'm referring to Christian fathers here who have their head in one place. Of course, there are some crazy father that if you obey them, <laughs> you'll be in jail or you'll be dead. Yeah. There are some father that will tell their children to go and steal. Yes. There are some father that will make some demand. There are some father that will collect a bride prize on behalf of their daughters without their daughter's knowledge. And then they will fix the wedding date and say, okay, you must marry this man. So crazy things around. But within the community of God's people, we that are Sunday school teachers and fathers and mothers, particularly mothers, we should let our children know that fathers, dad, should be obeyed. That when daddy is speaking, his words must be obeyed. It's not, you know, dad is not your friend. Dad is your father. Dad is not your friend. It's your dad. And in his hand is the authority to instill discipline and correction in righteousness. That is if he himself is towing the path of righteousness. So father's voice is like the voice of God speaking and should not be trifled with. And here we see Samuel toying with the idea of discipline. The Bible said God spoke to Samuel, uh, sorry, Eli, Eli toying the issue of discipline. And God spoke to Samuel about Eli and said, this man is honoring his children more than me. This man is honoring his children more than me. And I can bet you most parents here would agree with me that when it comes to punishing our children we are quite emotional I don't see any father who loves his children that can successfully flog them if you promise them 10 stroke of cane I don't think you can finish the 10 if you really love your children of course some of you can some of you at one point you start flogging like you, don't, you, don't, you stop counting start flogging it depends on what the, the person has done as some boys can be very terrible, we are flogging them, they are collecting the, 
They are trying to drag the cane with you. At that point, you have to start flogging like masquerade, no? But there is the fact that as you are flogging your child, you are also crying inwardly, isn't it? Who wants to flog his child? How many of you are waiting for the day? It's like, I'm going to flog my child on Wednesday, say, and then you are ready. Nobody, nobody, we don't. We love our children. But the issue is that that love must be a qualified love within the circumference of the allowance that God gives you as a father. There is something called the love of God that supersedes every other love. Children are just but a gift from God in heaven. And they cannot become tyrants in your own hands. And you cannot fail to instill the discipline of God under your church, under your watch. And talks about which, maybe which and which our family. No, 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 no. It's you. God gave you these children. He trusted you with these children. It's your responsibility to look after them. Love and discipline must not be conflicted. Whatever there is love, there is discipline. And whatever there is good discipline, love is being exercised. So Eli refused to restrain his children. He had the power to do so. I mean, even you here, what, what, what could you have done with those children straight away? What's the first to do? What was the first to do when you heard these two boys were sleeping with women in the temple? What was the first thing that ought to be done? You don't know what, is, what should be done. The, are they, first of all, we draw them. In fact, they're supposed to be stoned to death, actually. And I think the reason why Eli has not withdraw them is that if we withdraw them, we have exposed them to the capital punishment. They have done more than enough to die. And it is so hard in the Old Testament that it is not your neighbor, it is you that should report a stubborn child to the community and say, this is my child. It's what they eat. It's a gluten. That is, that is what it's a, I mean, gluten is, <laughs> they are killing a boy for being a gluten. I'm, I'm sure a son that is a gluten, a drunkard, is not even a boy. It should be like maybe a teenager who is running around with boys smoking weeds. The Bible says it is you as a father, you should take hold of him and bring him out. It should be you to report your son to the police first. But how many of us will do that? Even to report your child to the elders of the church. They say, you want to expose your child? Is it only your own child that is a sinner in this church? That's the Dakamola first children. The one that, that carry, that took in the other time. Don't, don't, we all have our issue here. Precisely when our children began to grow up and they are in their teenage years, we begin to overprotect them as if we leave. I have heard women say several times, I'm leaving for my children now. If not for my children. If not for my children. What was, what's that? And then the honor of God. That, because we, what is the chief end of man? Is to glorify God. When we bring a woman, when, you, when as fathers you introduce a woman into your life and both of you are making babies, you are, you are raising an altar before God and say, this, this small family, we are keeping the charge of the almighty God. And there's nothing that offends that shall pass through this gate. 
And then you are standing at the gate of your house, keeping the charge of the Almighty God. You cannot. You should be the first to discipline. You should be the first to discipline. To make sure the right thing is done to a delinquent uh, child. So the first thing or thing I want to mention is that talking is not enough. Because we live now in a society where corporal punishment is now uh, kind of abolished through the back door. You understand what I'm saying? In some secondary school now, you can't use a cane to flog any child, particularly in the FCT. Uh, I'm not sure of any private school in this Abuja that teacher goes to school with Koboko. I don't. I have not seen one except maybe the one in Kabusa, all those Shariti, Dugongada, <laughs> that kind of. Why we say Dugongada? Come on, troublemakers, eh? But see blooms down here, yeah? Those posh school, Koboko care. You be begging the children. Some children will tell you, I don't want to do my homework, and then you are begging them to do their homework. You're begging them to do their homework. Do you know some children, you have to beg them to eat? Hmm, I don't want to eat. And then the man will go on his knee and say, Junior, you know you have to eat. <laughs> so we have been told now that just don't punish children. Explain to them. So when the child is wrong, say, uh, Clive, you know, mom loves you. And then, even the tone, it's like you're begging him already. And the boy is just being, you see now, you know, you know, your dad will be angry. Not you, <laughs> your dad will be angry. Why don't you make your dad happy? And then you are explaining to your child why he or she should do their homework. So talking is not enough. Go and read the entire scripture. Pastor like Proverbs. Words alone does not make a man a father. A father has words and have stick. It's a carrot and stick situation. A boy, a girl that is not listening there is a road for their back. Sears the scriptures. Talking. Because Eli was talking, isn't he? And what Eli say, anytime I read that scripture, I cringe. He say, if a man and a man are fighting, God is their witness. But if a man and God is fighting, who will be the witness? Who will be the arbiter? And that was a heavy theology there. But children, or your family, will not be helped only by talking. Not just talking. I've not spoken in tongues, okay? <laughs> Andrew understands that. Not just talking. Talking is not enough. Secondly, counseling. It's not enough. Sometimes your children are delinquent. You package them to the school teacher. And Elizabeth, talk to your child though. Who's child? Which child? Your own son. So you can't talk to your own children. The school teacher should talk to them. 
fast. Some of us report our children to their teachers at school. Yeah, they will flog them on your behalf. Your own is to drop them and then the rest is for nanny and then the teachers. And then you do it again. Talking, counseling is not enough. Measures must be taken. And of course, we are not in the Old Testament time where you can bring your son out to be stoned. Who can do that now? It's not possible. It's not, it's not even allowed. We've moved on. But there are lessons to be learned that when as a father over your house, the business, the reason why they call you father is that there are children to raise. There is no, there's, you are a householder. We are not just a father. We live in the country now where people call themselves pastors and they have no, they have no, there's no congregation to, to, they don't have members, but their name is pastor. That's the, they have been ordained somewhere. Somewhere they have been ordained. And then they are running. But when I was in the Yanapaja, I was ordained. Maybe one small church under the mango tree ordained him as a pastor. And then he's in Abuja. And then he's bullying. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. Pastor of who? There's no full animal that has no cow. There's no shepherd. There has no sheep to shepherd. Same way, you cannot just. Judge cannot just say I'm a father, father of who? <laughs> you cannot just say father like I'm a father. Call me father. No, it doesn't work like that. The title of father means you are a nourisher. You are the source. It comes with responsibility. Precisely because you are a Christian, you stand in the stead of Christ. And you are taking responsibility for the gift that God has given you, the gift of your wife and children. And you must be responsible. There are lines. Lines must be drawn in the sand. Biblical lines must be drawn and said, Lady, wife, as for me and my house, we don't cross this line. And it is because the Bible says so. Junior and the rest of the gangs. We don't cross this line here in this house. If these lines are crossed, measures must be taken. And that measure must be taken. Because sometimes, you no, know, we do to our children, I'll kill you. You are not doing anything. If you do it again, I'll beat you. How many times have you been? You know? I used to be like that. One day, my younger sister told me, say, When will you beat me? When, he said, When will you beat me? Then she was in the university. She said, I'll be hearing this thing way back. Say, if you, I will beat you, I'll beat you. But say, when will you? He said, beat, let me see. I think she saw once. And then, <laughs> yeah, she said, I mean, I said, are, are you threatening me? And I, I helped someone. And then she heard about the dimension that the help came to the person and he said, No, it can't be my brother. They say, So he said that your brother did this thing. He said, Sure. Yes. And the lady was properly helped by, by the measures that uh, I, I used. So, that kind of a thing. There must be lines that must be drawn in the sign and say, Okay, this is how far we can go. We cannot do this. We cannot do this. We can, there are boundaries. A boundless family is a disaster to happen. 
And I'm saying this to fathers who are under pressure in a westernized, feminized society where you can't tell, you can't, children are like, it's like we live our life for children. They are the tyrant, they are the ogre, they are the leaders. We live for them. They, I mean, there's no deprived, our children have not learned deprivation at all. See the lunch box we pack for our children. See the lunch box. And everything is there. Everything, water, sweets, chinchin, biscuits, rice. I saw somebody buying lunch for, from City Mart. City Mart that you guys are going and thinking you are doing something. For children. Some people use it for their lunch. Yo. This one that you guys are. <laughs> Do you buga? Because they're going to City Mart. <laughs> buy for their children. You see? Yes. With, with whole chicken. And they'll still come back and eat lunch again on top of that. And then eat dinner. Praise God. But we should be careful to teach them the strength, to teach our children, to raise our family that there's something called fasting. Would these children fast? Would they ever fast? Do they even know what is fasting now? It's called fasting. It's called deprivation. Of course, we're not punishing them just for the sake of the fun of it. You are the leader of this house. You are their pastor. You are their theologian. You are their leader. And if there are issues, draw the line. You must not honor your children above God. Let them know that God is first in this house. And if anything comes between you and that God, that thing goes down, including them. I'm not saying you should kill your children. I'm not talking about going down instead of death. It's that I won't, uh, you won't come between me and God. You won't. You won't. You won't. You won't. Because the consequences is dire. I'm amazed that because of the sin of two children, the entire clan perished. It's called collateral damage. Up to the time of David, God was still punishing the house of Eli for the sins of Hophni and Phinehas. You see, remember what happened to them? They were the priests. With this, this, this fornicators took the ark of God to the battle to fight for the Philistines. Those guys were, who, who did they take God for? And they died. And the ark was taken. And Eli fell and broke his neck and died. And God said, I'm doing this thing because of the iniquity that he knew of about his children and he refused to restrain them. We should learn fathers to restrain ourselves first. We should learn how to restrain our wives. We should learn to restrain our children. It is a restraining business. Falling creatures are disaster on the loose. Without the restraining power that God supplies, all of us here are disaster going to happen. If there are no measures there is no foolishness that we cannot exhibit. Foolishness is not only born in the heart of children. Foolishness is bound also in the heart of adults. You know your foolishness. All of us here know our foolishness. It is that we are constrained and bound by God. Not to go beyond what uh, the boundary that God has set in his word. So God himself put measure 
around us. He put in our heart conscience to punish us when we go wrong. He put around us civil authority to make sure when we go wrong, they punish us. The king does not hold sword in vain. God himself as a father gave us the first of all the garden of Eden but you put prohibitions and said this one you should not eat. You should not touch this one. And that has been the order of God. There has been restraining. <sighs> Remove police. No, as bad as police. And, sorry, they are not bad. As, <laughs> as, as, as what? Corrupt. Uh, I don't know. You are the one saying this now, yeah? In church. No, police have issues. That's the word. Yeah, I'm looking for issues. <laughs> With their issues, their issues. What if we remove police today and put Agbori on the road? Which one will you choose? Those Amak boys. You see? God makes sure that their police, their civil authority, as corrupt as they, can, as they could be, when Mama Gaddafi was in Libya, they thought it was, they removed him. Look at Libya. Oh, Saddam Hussein was a bad guy. They removed him. Look at Iraq. Because when people cast off restraint, disaster will happen. And we should not learn from this world, this idea that I'm the dad. I provide, I load DSTV. I, that's all I could do. There's no discipline. There's no love. There's no restraining grace upon your life to restrain yourself and also restrain the children to make sure they know for sure from home that if they take this step, that step, that step, it will end up in disaster. I am challenging fathers and fathers to be in this house. If you're not ready to be a father, don't marry. Don't. Don't. It is a big responsibility it is a big responsibility. I'm not scaring you, but that is a fact. I speak to myself and I speak to you guys. And it's my prayer that we will raise our children well, that, that Christ is at the center of our lives, that they see it from day one, that this man honor Christ. I met a reverend some years ago who told me, he usually wake up around 12 in the midnight to pray. It has been his culture to wake up in the night and pray. He has been doing this, and he had not told any of his boys, any, anybody to do that. So one day, he was going to the room where he usually pray, and on his way he met his son, also praying. So the friend is asking, who told you to be praying in the night? He said, well, <laughs> you are praying in the night. So <laughs> I just felt... But that's a good thing to, to copy, isn't it? That they always see you with your, with your Bible. And then they too are following your path. It's a good thing. There must be lines. There must be restraining power. Let it be that if things fail, it's not your fault. You did all you could. Of course, children sometimes have the mind of their, their own. Maybe they took some gene from one great-grandfather that you never saw. It's true. I met, there is a pastor I know that whenever he's angry, he carry cutlass. Yes. And he will, he will repent again, he'll confess. But if you anger him, he carry cutlass. He carries machete. And then his mother say, oh, it is his grandfather. He says it's an incarnation of his grandfather. That his grandfather always was like that. 
The man did not resemble his parents. The parents were godly people. But him, if you tamper with anything, he carried machete. And then you repent. <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? There are some children that resemble your maybe the fourth generation. Even their color. They are your children. You can see their nose, but they, they, are, they are so fair. You are dark. Say, wait, this one just appear from nowhere. Just enter among them. And then they are behaving in a way that it's just a God, what have I done that you've unleashed this failure on my head? That kind of a thing. You know? Of course, that happens sometimes. Don't, don't give up. As I mentioned in the morning, pray, love them, do the best you can, but there, may be, there must be a restraining grace. So, okay, stop. And you must begin from when they are young, isn't it? Some of us wake up when the child is 18, and you want to restrain an 18. He will beat you up. Trust me. Some, <laughs> some can beat up their father. That's what the Bible says in the book of Exodus. Say, anybody that strikes his father must be killed because there are children that strike their father. It's a capital punishment to raise your hand against your father. And people do, people do that. Today, people don't, they don't raise, they go to prayers and kill their parents. Die by fire. Your own father should die by fire, man. Die by fire. Some even pray. I mean, I've mentioned to you before in the back, back, back there. And a prophet just called a day and said, you are not married. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? He said, talk to me, sir. You know, prophet, in that kind of talk to me, sir. I say, ah, it's your mom. He has done this. He has done, she has done this. Okay. So can you give me permission to kill your mother? He says, sir, I'll give you permission. And then the prophet, the first prophet began to pray. He said, mama, whatever you are now, heart attack, angina. He started mentioning some terrible things. And the lady was saying, Amen. I carried my Bible. I stepped out. I, I could not handle it. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. Train them when they are young. One year old, two year old, three year old, four year old. Take them to church. Let them know the value of the family. And hopefully, by God's grace, you will land. Um, Safely with them. You no, know, we're just in the hospital. See a man that is uh, passing on to glory, and and the beauty of almost all the children standing around him, saying that our dad was a Christian was a good thing to, to to look at. Hopefully, at the end of our lives, we see our children in face standing beside our coffin and bury us in face. Hopefully, hopefully, but let it be that if things slip out, it's not our fault. We have done all that we could do. Don't be like Eli. Eli is a bad example of a father. He loved the children more than he loved God. And he becomes a curse to him and his family. And for all of us today, just not even parenting. What is that thing that you love more than God? That you honor more than God? Some of us, is our job, isn't it? Our job, our iPhones and our, our, those pleasures that we seek. That even if God should come down from heaven, will not change our mind. What is that thing? The commandment is that I shall have no other God before me. Take care of your idols. Deal with your idols. They will dog you along the way. You won't end well in Zion. You can't be a Christian and not be like Christ. You can't be a Christian and have other gods in your heart or in your space. There should be one God. There should be one way to heaven. 
And let it be known to yourself and to all those who are members of your family that in this house we worship only one God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And his word is eternal and can never fail. This is the admonition for fathers today uh, in this age. How you do these things in the age of child right, child right act is a different ball game altogether. But with God's grace, you can, even your looks alone, even your looks should communicate to your children that dad is not happy, that dad disapproves of this. Not just your hand, your looks, your hand, your mouth, everything, everything. Not only talk, not only counsel, but measures. And can be body language, can be deprivation, it can be anything that we can put in place so our house can be the house that God will love to dwell in. This is the word of God for us tonight. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you bless fathers in this house. Many of us struggle and we are weak in these matters. We see our children. We see ourselves in our children. We, we, we feel we have pity and compassion for them. We have sympathy and we are sentimental about them. Forgive us for these things and grant strength that we may discipline and correct when we ought to do so and that you may help us by the supplies of the Holy Spirit to be fathers indeed just both in this church and around the world where your name is called in faithfulness. Bless us now we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.